inside your bulletin, you'll see this tear-off tab. On one side, it says prayer request, where you can mark any prayer requests you may have for your family or loved ones. You can mark for pastor only or for prayer team. On the inside, there's a place for you to mark your names so that we know who all is in attendance with us this morning. Also, there's a place to put your contact information. If any of your information has changed over the last year, please mark your address, phone number, or email address that has changed so that we can keep our church directory up to date. Thank you. Table Talk Spiritual Formation Groups will start back up tonight at 6 p.m. at the Education Building. Everyone is welcome to join us. Why should you come to youth group? To learn about God. To have a great time. To make new friendships. Praying. To make memories. Jesus. To pray to God. The Bible. To learn about the Bible. Friends. <laughs> Well, you all are a hearty group, aren't you? We don't let the snow keep us away. The main folks I were worried about, though, is uh, Jim's here. That's good. Um, and, and I heard Kurt was supposed to be here, but he got called away to business. The rest of you may be wondering why I'm picking on the two of them. Because last time we had bad weather, um, they went to the Kansas City Chiefs game in the middle of the bad weather. And so I told them I didn't ever want to see them not be here on Sunday morning if they could drive to Kansas City in this weather. So you got the message. Yes. <laughs> it is awesome to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Yes. <sighs> we are, um, I'm debated on whether to go ahead with table talk tonight, but I think we'll go ahead and try. Is that okay? Yes? 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 Okay. We'll go ahead and, and uh, do the table talk. For those who don't know, table talk is an opportunity to gather together in small groups and um, discuss the uh, passage and the sermon in a little bit more detail. And so um, we will meet um, over at the education building um, at 6 o'clock during our normal time. And so that's what we plan on doing tonight, okay? Um, Chiefs game starts at 2, so it should be over, so we're okay. Um, if you haven't participated in table talk, um, and you just want to come and check it out, tonight would be a good night um, to, uh, to just come and um, participate. So um, hopefully you'll do that. Uh, the last thing I want to remind you about is remember on the first Sunday in February, immediately after worship, um, and yes, I do know that Super Bowl Sunday, for those who asked last week, um, we, we will have an all-church meeting and um, I'm just going to talk about um, the, this uh, proposal that came out of the, uh, uh, of the group um, for how the church might go forward. I just want to begin conversation about that. And so um, I'll invite you to stay afterwards. Um, I promise you won't miss more than the first 30 minutes of the 10-hour pregame show, okay? <laughs> Let us be reminded as we gather together here, 
that we come in anticipation and we come in expectation, uh, despite everything else that is happening in the world, uh, of experiencing Christ's presence here in our midst. We come anticipating and expecting that the Spirit will speak to us and continue to shape us and to form us so that we might go forth uh, to be the people of God who live and love like Jesus so that we might go empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so let us stand and celebrate Christ's presence as the acolytes light our candles this day. Gracious God, we thank you for your presence with us this day. We ask as we gather here that you would help us to set aside the things that uh, distract us and hinder us from focusing on you. That you would help us to bring your presence into focus, that you would help us to open up our minds and our hearts so that we might hear and experience your spirit this day. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us and fill us so that we might be the people you intended us to be. In Christ's name, amen. And now let us join our voices together. Sing loud because there's few of us um, as we sing joyful, joyful.
Amen. You may be seated. Uh, the children are invited to come forward for a children's moment. And um, while we're doing that, I just want to let you know and welcome Melissa Dodd, our superintendent, who, uh, who is uh, worshiping with us this morning. Um, and so um, wave at everybody. So there we go. All right. So you know where to find her. Yes? All right. Can I, can I sit down here again today? Now, you know when I do this, one of you's got to help me up, right? Okay. All right. What? Do you, do you, do you know what? Uh, we often talk about the good life or um, being successful. What, it, what does that normally mean when we talk about the good life or being successful? Don't be shy. Anybody? What do you think about? When, when life is good, what does that usually mean for you? Your friends aren't mad at you? Maybe? Huh? You guys are worried this is a trick question, aren't you? Huh. Does, does, does uh, the good life mean that you have lots of things? Is that what it means to have the good life? No. I can't fool you all, can I? Well, yes? What? You have... You're loved? Is that what you said? Awesome. That's a good answer. Yeah. Sometimes when we think about the good life or being successful, we think about the things that we have, right, or the position that we have, or how many people we know. How many people are... Wait, you all probably don't have Facebook pages, do you? No. Okay. That's probably good. Um, And that's sometimes how we think about what it means to be successful or to have a good life or to be well off. But the Bible teaches us something different, doesn't it? Yes? What does the Bible teach us? What did Jesus teach us about what it means? It means to be loved and to love, right? Yes? It means to know God and to follow God's ways, right? And that's what it means to live well in this world. Sometimes we don't get very good examples, right? But you get lots of good examples around here, right? Your parents are like perfect examples, right? Shake your heads, yes. Okay, there we go. So I just want us to remember, as we start to look at the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to remember that it's important for us to know God's ways, not just because um, we want to make God happy, but because when we know God's ways and when we follow God's ways, then, um, then we can be confident that we're making a difference in the world and that, and that we're working to make things better, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Yes? Does that make sense? Okay. Do you think you can remember that? Maybe. Okay, I know you all still have not forgiven me because I'm not wearing a chief's outfit today, have you? 
I'm going to get me one, I promise, okay? Okay, you don't believe me. You're a hard crew today. What do you know about God? Yes? He loves us, yes? And G okay. Yes? He cares for us and looks over us. Yeah? And he's always with us. Oh, I like that one. Thank you. That's probably the most important thing for us to remember is that God is always with us, helping us um, to do and to be more like Jesus. Okay? So this week, let's remember God's with us, and let's keep asking him to help us be more and more like Jesus. Okay? Can we do that? Can we pray? Gracious God, you're supposed to repeat after me. Gracious God, be with us this week. Remind us of your presence with us. Help us to, to rely on you so that we might be more like Jesus when we are around our friends and at school and especially when we're at home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Good deal. Let's all stand and join our voices together. Lord, I need you.
song to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand I fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand I fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay we gather in your presence we gather in your grace in your joy in your peace we gather this morning and you gather with us we thank you for the warmth of this place as we gather as your people worshiping you in song and praise as we come to you with with all that we have with all that we are we come worshiping you God we also come remembering all that we face, all that we stand against, all that we stand for, all that we have pushing against us, all that we have maybe not going our way. We bring that as well. And we bring it to you. For there's only so much we can do, but you, God, who is always with us, can do so much. So we come in trust, we come in faith, and whatever we face, whatever our burden, whatever our fears, whatever our worries, we leave them here with you, that we may just trust and have faith and remain in your peace, remain in your joy beyond this service this morning. As we gather here, we also take a moment to remember those friends and loved ones who are also burdened and struggling with their own personal issues. Lord, we take a moment for each of us personally to reflect on those we love that need you this morning. You are the God that is always with us, hears all of our prayers, knows our heart. We come to you because we need you. We come to you in worship, in faith and trust, asking you to do what only you can do in our lives. And we come to you now as our Lord Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Well, we're in the second week of looking at what it means to flourish in an upside-down world. And uh, we're doing that by taking a closer look at the Sermon on the Mount. 
um, probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture, and yet sometimes I wonder if it's not also one of the most misunderstood. Um, whether we become so familiar with it that uh, we don't take the time to uh, dig in and to listen and try to understand exactly what it was that Jesus was communicating in the midst of this uh, sermon. I think it's good for us to be reminded as we uh, take a look at this first section called the Beatitudes. Um, certainly a section of Scripture that we are very, very familiar with. I think it's important for us to remind us where we are in this story as Matthew tells it. It's important for us to remember that Jesus has been baptized and in His baptism the Holy Spirit has come down upon Him and God has said, uh, this is my beloved Son um, in whom I am well pleased. And um, in essence, Jesus has been commissioned to manifest God's kingdom or God's empire or God's saving presence that is coming and has arrived in the world. And, and if we remember shortly after that, Jesus is tempted. And then um, after that, he comes and he begins his mission by announcing uh, that the kingdom of God has arrived. That God's empire and God's presence is breaking into this world and that it is important for us to reorient and realign our lives with God. And then we see after that that Jesus goes and He calls a community to be around Him. He calls disciples to come and to follow Him and to learn what it means to live in the kingdom of God. What it looks like to be uh, the people of God by spending time with Him and following Him and seeing the way that He interacts with this upside-down world. We see that he goes around and he teaches and he preaches and he heals. And I think this section from chapter 5 to chapter 7, um, it, I'm, I'm not sure it is a, a particular sermon that Jesus gave or whether it is Matthew's attempt to pull together all the various teachings of Jesus and put them in one place, but it's clear that 5 through 7 are intended to elaborate on what exactly Jesus was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. And likewise, if you look at chapters 8 and 9, we'll see Jesus performing many miracles and healings, and I think that's to elaborate on what does it mean when it says Jesus went around preaching and teaching and healing. But this section focuses on uh, Jesus teaching about the good news of God's reign, of God's kingdom that is breaking into the world in and through Him and that is intended to continue to break into the world after His death and resurrection in and through the community of people uh, that have, have been called to follow Him. This section of passage um, provides a vision, a vision of what it looks like to be a person in the kingdom, what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom, what it looks like to, to yield and to live under God's reign here in this world. And I think it's intended to be more descriptive than it is prescriptive. And by that I mean we need to be careful that we don't turn uh, this Sermon on the Mount into some rigid rules that we follow. Rather, it is um, 
it, it gathers together illustrations and very practical ways of what it looks like to live and to love like Jesus in this world. And so we're going to begin by looking at the, the Beatitudes. You're familiar with them, yes? Blessed are those... You're going to help me? Anybody remember them? Huh? Some of them. Not all of them, huh? Uh, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are weak. Blessed are, are the ones who um, hunger and seek after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart, right? We're familiar with hearing that. But sometimes I wonder, uh, and that's how most versions uh, speak about them. And I think sometimes when we hear that, we think of this blessed, the word blessed meaning God's favor is upon. We um, hear them almost as words of encouragement. And I don't think that's how the first hearers of these words heard them. And in fact, today, I'm going to read them from the common English version because instead of blessed, it uses the word happy. Now, I want you to think about that. Happy are the poor in spirit, or happy are the hopeless. Do you think that folks heard that as encouragement? Or do you think that they were a little shocked by the words of Jesus? Let's hear this passage beginning in uh, verse 3 of chapter 5. Happy are people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are people who grieve because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Happy are people who are hungry and thirst for righteousness because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. Happy are those who have pure hearts because they will see God. Happy are people who make peace because they will be called God's children. Happy are people whose lives are harassed because they are, because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad, because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harass the prophets who came before you. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day and respond as the Spirit leads you. Think of what a shock that must have been to the hearers of Jesus' day, just as it really is a shock to us if we're, if we're honest, right? I mean, I mean, it's like Jesus is saying, uh, fortunate and happy and flourishing are the hopeless. Huh? 
Isn't it supposed to be happy are the healthy and the wealthy and the powerful and the influential and the people of position? Isn't, aren't those the fortunate people? Don't we call people who are poor in spirit and people who are, are, are meek or powerless, don't we call them the unfortunate? See, I think at the beginning of this teaching, it is important for us to get just how much of a shock that Jesus' teaching was to that community. I think we have taken these beatitudes and we have turned them into something like this. Oh, if you're, if you're hopeless, don't worry. Be encouraged. God is with you. You know, if you're, having, if you're having difficulties, don't worry. God's with you. It'll be okay. You'll go to heaven someday. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is not about what happens to us after we die. It's about being under the reign of God, not just when we die, but now. So to say the kingdom of heaven is yours is not to say that it's yours at some future time. It's to say it's yours now. It's as if Jesus is saved. Because you see in the first century, if you, were, if you were hopeless, if you were destitute, if you were down and out, if you were marginalized, you were not a part of the kingdom of God. You were not considered to be a part of the kingdom of God. You must have done something wrong. And so it's as if Jesus is saying, don't listen to all that. You are a part of the kingdom of God. I think that's one of the things Jesus is doing in this first section of this sermon. But you know, I think he's doing more. I think he's doing more there. I, I, I think part of it is to say, if you're under those circumstances, know that the kingdom of God is coming in and, and that the kingdom of God is working to reverse those circumstances. But I think that he's also lifting that up and saying that in some respects, these are some of the dispositions or attitudes that people in the kingdom should have. Think about that. Now, I don't think that means that Jesus wants us to, to, to go out and put ourselves in a situation where all is hopeless. But I, I think part of what's happening in this first half is uh, Jesus is saying, you know you live in an upside-down world, don't you? I really think that's what he's saying. To say you're poor in spirit, to say that you're hopeless means that, that you have come to the realization that um, the situation that you're in, that you cannot by yourself pull yourself out of it or, or change the whole world. To say that we mourn, I don't think it's to say that we're mourning a loss. It may mean that. But I think that the, the Greek sense of that word has more to do with mourning because we realize that the world is not as God intends it. I think he's saying happy, fortunate are the people who realize that the world is not as God intended it to be. 
Happy are those who are meek is the actual word that is often used there and the, the English translated it humble, I think. Uh, it's, it's translated humble or gentle. Uh, but what it means in essence is that it means that are people who are without power or people who choose not to use their power in vengeful, uh, revenge ways. Happy are people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And again, I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think what Jesus is saying there is um, happy are people who seek to be the most righteous person they can be, the most moral person that they can be. Uh, Righteousness also means justice. I think what he's saying is, is happy are those who hunger and thirst after justice because they will be filled. See, I think he's saying to people, it's good if you realize you live in an upside down world that is not the way that God intended it because you're on the path to actually flourishing in such a world. You're on the path to actually make a difference because you understand it is not the way that God intended it to be. And if you hunger and you thirst after His righteousness, you can trust that the inbreaking kingdom is working to overturn those things and if we work in cooperation with that Spirit, we too can participate in this inbreaking of the kingdom. Now that's a lot different than the way we've normally heard the Beatitudes, isn't it? See, these are much more than words of encouragement. They are words that give us a picture of what kingdom people look like. And how kingdom people act and react in this world. I think Jesus is both, cast, is both making an appeal and casting a vision for what happiness and flourishing really looks like in the kingdom of God. And so part of, uh, of these Beatitudes and part of, of this whole sermon is not only teaching us what it looks like to live in the kingdom, it is teaching us to think differently about what it means to be happy and to have the good life and to flourish. At the same time as it's teaching, it's redefining what those things mean. Happy, fortunate are those who realize we live in an upside-down world and they yearn to work with God to turn it right side up. Listen to the second set of four Beatitudes. Happy are those who show mercy. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy. Happy are people who show mercy to others instead of seeking revenge and retaliation. That's a hard one for us to hear today. Happy are the merciful. The ones who choose to forgive instead of be vengeful. 
they will experience mercy themselves instead of revenge and retaliation. Happy are the pure in heart. And I think by that, what Jesus means is, is happy are those whose heart is the same as the heart of God, whose heart is undivided, that our actions and our motives work together, that we do the things we do not just because we want something for ourselves, but we, we do and we act in the way we do in the world because we believe that living and loving like Jesus, we believe that doing the things that God calls people to do is the best way to live in this world, not just for us, but for others. Blessed, happy, fortunate are the peacemakers, not the warmongers. Blessed are those who seek to restore harmony instead of continuing to contribute to disharmony and brokenness in the world. Ah. These words are not any easier for us to hear today than they were the first century, are they? These are hard words to hear, and yet these are words that Jesus uses to describe what it looks like when people encounter God and come under God's reign and surrender to God's ways, not our ways. Happy are you when you are persecuted and people say all kinds of bad and false things about you. Not because you're an immoral or bad person, but because you seek to participate in God's ways to bring justice upon the earth, to be a peacemaker, to be merciful, and to be forgiving, rather than to participate in perpetuating violence and retaliation and oppression and injustice. And just to elaborate that last one, he says, happy are not just those people, but happy are you. Happy are you when you are harassed. When people say false things about you because you seek to follow God. And rather than complaining about it, be glad and rejoice and know that you are participating in God's kingdom through your actions. They will not go unnoticed by God. And they will, in time, make a difference in the world. But as God's people, we can't keep saying, well, that doesn't work. We just need to do things the worldly way. Jesus challenges us to recognize we're living in an upside-down world. 
that encourages us to do things that are not just wrong, but they are opposed to God's ways. He challenges us to be a people who live in His kingdom, who radically reorient our lives toward the ways of Jesus. And, and, and are you paying attention to these Beatitudes? Does that, does that lifestyle sound familiar? Doesn't it sound like Jesus' very life itself? Yes? See, Jesus came to live, not just to hurry up to get to the cross so he could die and all would be well. He came to live so that we would understand what it means to live as humans in a fallen world. So we might grasp a vision of what that might look like. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe we'll just quit here. Maybe we'll forget about the rest of the sermon. It's not going to get any easier. And yet we need to hear it. Because so ingrained in our being is the way of the world that the ways of Jesus sound just as radical and upside down to us as they did then, when in fact they are the right side up way to live in this world. It is not easy. But Jesus says that suffering and sacrifice are a part of the kingdom work. And he doesn't leave us alone in our own power. Part of being poor in spirit, I think, is recognizing we can't live these ways. We can't embrace these ways in and of ourselves, but we need God's help. We need Christ in us and the Spirit in us flowing through us. And immediate, immediately following this section, you know the passage, um, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. See, I, I think Jesus is saying, the king, this kingdom people, this people who are merciful and mourn and know we live in an upside down world, people who are forgiving and, and peacemakers, we are called to be the salt that gives flavor to the world, that, that uh, preserves the world. We are called to be a people who are light in the midst of darkness, not adding to the darkness and brokenness. If we are to be the salt of the earth and the light in the midst of the darkness, we need to begin to grapple with what it means to encounter God and to yield to God and to live in God's kingdom and to live in this upside-down world in a radically different way. And you know what? When the people of God begin to do that, we will be the salt of the earth and the light in the midst of the darkness because we will be telling everyone 
there is a different way to flourish. And in fact, it's the only real way to flourish and experience true happiness is to live as God intended us to live. Hear the words of God. Experience the presence of the Spirit. And know that we are the people of God. And we can be that people which shine in the midst of darkness. And whatever else we do, we seek to work against injustice and for justice. And we seek to end oppression. And we seek to reverse the ways of the world. Let us pray. Gracious God, indeed, as we begin to hear this message and this sermon, even as we may experience a shock as to what it is that you call us to be and to do and to live, may we experience your grace. May we know your presence. And we, may we know that Christ continues to work in us as individuals and as a community so that we can be your kingdom people, exhibiting your traits and your virtues and your ways so that we might make a real and lasting difference in the lives of other people. In Christ's name, amen. Our ushers will come forward. As the ushers come forward, I remind you that this is a time not just to give of your tithes and offerings, um, to give a, a token of what God has blessed you with, but it, it is a time when God invites you to offer your whole self to Him so that He might continue to shape you and form you into the people He intended us to be.
gracious God, we thank you for this gift and for the givers here. We thank you uh, for this community of faith who indeed hungers and thirsts for your righteousness in this upside-down world. Indeed, through these gifts and through the givers, may we be satisfied and filled as we participate and witness the undoing of injustice and oppression in this world and the turning of people to God. In Christ's name, amen. the vision of what it looks like to be the people of God. May we not only capture that vision, but may we allow the Holy Spirit to work deep within us so that we participate 
in the inbreaking of this kingdom into an upside-down world so that we might offer hope and healing and wholeness to others. Let us go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to be God's people this day and every day. Amen. Thank you.